This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, people, welcome back. Yet another episode of the Temple of Hoop. I am your host, Coach Maples, here with Kings, my main man. What's going on with you, bro? Yes, sir. Doing good, living good, man. And obviously, you know where we we out. We right out the gate with it this week. Uh, the James Harden ball finally dropped. Mm-hmm. It's headed to <laughs> to Brooklyn. We we are going to discuss this on multiple angles because I want to talk about uh, this trade from a few different you know viewpoints. Yeah. So first of all, um, what are your thoughts just on on the, on the trade in general? Just first of all, on the on what it cost for for the Nets and the 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 transaction in general. I mean, when we get if we talk about you know the team going forward, I I will say it did cost them an important piece in Jared Allen in terms of their interior defense that was important. Now in terms of the return for James Harden, I mean it cost them pennies on the dollar. Uh, they didn't give up pretty much, and they didn't give up much of anything. I mean, if the if the Sixers offered Ben Simmons, Steibel, and two first round picks, that's way better than what the Nets just sent out right now. <laughs> but you know, like we, like I said on a podcast episode earlier, a few episodes back in the bubble, Tillman is cheap. Tillman did not want to pay the tax. I knew he didn't want to pay the tax. He was crying about the bubble games all before they set it up, trying to get the, as much revenue as possible. I knew from the jump, as soon as they lost that series to the Lakers, I knew they were going to blow it all up. They were going to try and save as much money possible. And I knew Harden was gone. New Westbrook was gone. I mean, what else can we say, man? I mean, first of all, with the LaVert situation, that trade should not happen. That oh, trade should not have been oh, signed off. But, you know, like 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 uh, John Rivers on, on Twitter be saying, you know, Tillman's sleeping good at night. <laughs> <laughs> he's saving millions, so he's he's saving millions, so he's sleeping good at night. He don't got to pay that tax bill no more. So yeah, that that was that was crazy to me that I heard that you know there were reports leaking that Philadelphia had actually told Ben Simmons to prepare to move to yep. Houston. Yeah, and they were, so it was him, Matisse, and some picks, and Fertitta yep. takes the deal that shaves the luxury that saves him a luxury tax instead of getting the clearly the best player. That is nuts to me. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they did salvage it kind of a way to get Oladipo, but I love Vic, but he's not he's not Ben Simmons. He's um, not, and he's not going to stay there either. I mean, it's yeah, everyone sure. he's to Miami. Yeah. So, I, mean, I just think, like you said, man, it, it had me thinking about what you were talking about, about just take the cap off, man, because there's some owners yeah. not trying to win. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what, King, I, I was like, you know, I was kind of iffy on that, but Kings, that's, that like feeds right into your point. Houston just unserious about building something, trying to win. Yeah. And that's that's 
James Harden should be a sixer. Like, like even <laughs> somebody said, even if even if you didn't want to pay tax, you could have got Ben Simmons and then traded Ben Simmons for more picks than somebody else. Like, you didn't have to keep Ben Simmons' contract. Ben Simmons is easy to move. Anybody who would, would want Ben Simmons, like, it, oh, my God. I just don't know what to say. But tell yeah. me he's sleeping good. He saved money. That's all he cares. <laughs> right, right. So the next thing we covered that. The next thing I'm going to talk to us from is there were just multiple, you know, responses, reactions to how James Harden went about leaving and his, his legacy, not his legacy there, but just his behavior on the way out the door. Um, I personally kind of lean to where what Shaq was saying, whereas they kind of did everything you wanted for years. They, even when it was against the best interest of the team, they yep. did it just, just for you. I'm not going to speak on what the stuff Kendrick Perkins said. We don't know if that's 100% true, but the stuff that Shaq said about every player you wanted, you got all the shooting you wanted, you got coach you wanted, you got in just year after year. I mean, Shaq repeated his closeout game stats. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous, like 41% shooting, 21, 27% from three, uh, 32 assists, 27 turnovers. Like, it's, it's, he has not been good in those big games for Houston. And then to him, for him to give that, we're just not good enough after they did everything for him, that was kind of weird to me. I mean, I understand the end game was to get traded, so he was just saying whatever to get out. Right. On the way out the door, that kind of not rubbed me the wrong way, just I'm not a Rocket fan, but just thinking about that, I was like, they did everything you did, my guy, and you didn't come through a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, Harden, I think uh, I think what it really was, because like, somebody asked him a question, they said if Daryl Morey was still there, would he still would he still be playing? And uh, I don't know. I, I think he just has a real good relationship with Darren Morey. Um, like, I, I honestly don't think he'll stay in Brooklyn long term. I think he's just trying to, you know, ring chase for a little bit. But I really do think he wants to play for Darren Morey somehow, some way. Um, I don't know. It's like he Harden just seems like a guy who's just really comfortable trying to do what he wants to do. <laughs> and right now he wants to win a ring. So he's going to, by any means necessary, he's going to get a ring. But once he's satisfied with that ring and he's like, man, let me get some more numbers before I retire, I mean, Nothing's going to keep him in Brooklyn. He's going to leave if he wants to leave. Like, Harden just seems like that guy. He just wants to do what he wants to do, honestly. Like, that's just what it comes down to. Uh, whatever he wants, he's going to try and make a way to get it. So, um, yeah, he, like you said, all that stuff he was talking about was just him trying to get traded. He was just trying to get out of there. Like, he's, it's, I mean, he, does he feel like that team isn't good? Yeah, but, like, you know, he, the whole point of him doing all these antics is clear. He was just trying to get out of Houston by any means possible. It was unprofessional. I don't know why people try to compare it to AD. I mean, I know AD, like some Pelicans fans said, there's some off-court stuff with AD and his dad. I'm not, I mean, I don't know all of that, but I'm just going to speak from the on-court perspective. AD was professional. He did the trade in private. He showed up to the games. He he wasn't even the one who didn't want to play. The team trust trying to not play him so they could tank because when he was playing, they were getting unnecessary wins because it's Anthony Davis. He puts up numbers in the sleep. Right. Right. I don't even think AD was one who leaked the trade request. It was Dimps, no, right? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was Dimps. Like, yeah, yeah. He, AD didn't even leak the team. He talked to his teammates in private. He did. So he did a whole bunch of stuff in private. He wasn't trying to have it blow up. So it's just completely different than, in terms of how the trade went down from AD's angle from than from Harden's. So it's not, you know what I mean? So, like, it was just weird to get those comparisons because, you know, AD didn't, you know, show up overweight. He didn't party before, you know what I mean, <laughs> before the trade. He didn't do any of all that stuff. So, it's just weird to say. I mean, Harden was really trying to get out by any means necessary, and he got to a point where they had no choice. So, <laughs> congrats to him. He, he made it work. I just yeah. I, my thing is take take a 
if you're gonna have a beef with it, that's fine. Like Pelican fans, you lost a generational player, which is mm-hmm. you know I'd, I'd be upset too. The thing is though, just look at it realistically though. You can't paint it with that broad brush and say this is the same when it was right. really different. Like you can say, I think there were both some questionable things done on both sides. Right. But there's no way you can say those two situations are the same. Now that we got that out the way, let's talk. What do we think about the Nets now? Um, I know you have some thoughts about what they're doing as far as defensively more so than depth. Um, I'm worried on both fronts a little bit about them. Offensively, I think it's overblown. Uh, you got three players that talented, generational scores, generational talents. Uh, they're going to make it, whether they do it with ball movement or just pick and roll with a guy on the backside and Joe Harris. You got three yeah. guys who can fill it up, Joe Harris on the backside and DeAndre Jordan. He's not what he was, but he's still like, you can't leave him open at the dunker spot. You can still finish. He's not like, you know, completely hapless right he'll, now. He'll finish a lot. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So I think offensively everything's overblown. Defensively, um, I am worried about that team. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't think they are, they are going to be able to – Generate stops consistently. There's going to be a lot of whole bunch of 125 to 120 games, mm-hmm. and I still have them. This was this was a hot take. I still have them third in the East, maybe second, depending how Ben Simmons reacts to these trade rumors. It seems like he's kind of going in the tank a little bit the right. games after. So, where are you with the Nets? Yeah, I mean they're they're like you said, a top three team in the East. Um, but like uh, like you said, I think uh, like I was I was tweeting that too. Um, a lot of people I think try to be Mr. Smart guy and be like, oh, they have too many ISO players. They're not gonna right. <laughs> not enough possession. Like, bro, they're gonna be an elite offensive team. Like, look, Harden was putting up elite offensive numbers with like, you know, just decent shooters. Let alone right. like per, the, the premier, the premier and Katie and Kyrie Irving. Like, come on, man. Like, even if they were to ISO ball, they'd still score one fifteen. Like. The offense is not the problem at all. That's not what we're concerned about. Can you stop them? Yeah, because, you know, they, they might, you know, fall in love with the hero ball and the ISO ball. So, yeah, you, so if you're an elite defensive team, you can get stopped. But they're going to score on everybody. Yep. <laughs> that's not a good defense. That's not an elite defensive team. So that's overblown. But like you said, the real issue is the defense. Um, They can't lose Jeff Green to an injury. Like that, like the fact that we say that we're saying that is itself in itself is a problem. Like if you can't weather a Jeff Green injury, that says a lot about the the defensive uh, limitations of your team. That Jeff Green is that valuable to uh, to your team defensively. He's a good role player. Like I was one of the main people vouching for Jeff Green for the Lakers last year on the minimum deal. They had him, and uh, I thought Wade would be would be cool. But if they had Jeff Green over Wade. I mean, they would have even looked even more dominant if Jeff Green was on the Lakers, but. He's old, man. He's old. That's that's a guy who's had injury history. That's not a guy you should be relying on night in, night out. And uh, they have to rely on him. They still have no big because they lost their best interior defender. Their their interior defense is already not good. Then they lost their best interior defender. So now it's just completely bad. Yeah, we got a preview. We got a preview of that. They played Orlando. My thing with Orlando, Orlando was one of the worst offenses in the NBA. Worse. We're, we're off a of back-to-back. They yeah, on a back-to-back. I mean, Kyrie wasn't there, so, you know, that's part of the offense to be right. overwhelming. But I just saw what Vooch did to De- DeAndre. It was just an inside-out. It, it was it was not good. And then just mm-hmm. the it was it's the amount of penetration they give yeah. up with no rim protection. That, to me, is going to be an issue. And 
it's an issue against teams that can generate stops. Like Milwaukee's going to be able to generate stops with their yes. defense with you know Dante, Giannis, and Drew Holiday. They're going to be yes. able to, like generate stops. Philly, even with their you know Simmons can defend and B can protect the rim. Matisse, even Seth Curry can sit down on he, He's an underrated defender. Danny so, Green's a great team. Danny, Danny Green's a great team defender, right? So those are the teams where okay, you're going to have to play a good five to six minutes of defense per game where to, for to take control of the game. I don't know if they can do that. And I'll throw in another team, too, that was turning up. I'll throw in Indiana. You know, Indiana has two right, right. two uh, good big men. I mean, Sabonis and Miles Turner, I mean, at the same time, they will eat you know, they will eat Brooklyn alive inside. Yeah, and the, then, the only, the only yeah. reason I didn't put Indy in there is because, you know, prayers up to Cares, man. Uh, right, right. If he was legit, if he was ready to go, but, like, that's dope for them. Like, he fits in right away. You saw how he looked in the bubble yesterday when right. they put the ball in his hands. He can definitely, like, run the offense successfully, especially with DeMontis and uh, Miles, you know, keeping the floor spread and giving him an interior presence. So, if if he gets cleared in time to get some good reps for the regular season one is a plus. I think I underrated Indiana completely. And then TJ Warren. TJ Warren has Warren's coming back. Yeah, yeah, so that that's also an issue. I I, I I'm comfortable saying Brook is better than him. It, it won't be easy yeah. beating that team because the matchup right, right, is bad right. interior. Right. But that's why I got just the the Embiid matchup and then the Giannis matchup because people keep saying like honestly build a wall against Giannis. I was like. There are teams who have specific defenders just for that. Like that's not something you just yeah. say, build a wall. Like Giannis is a lot to stop. That's why they have three, four, or five wings on a team and say, "Here, we're going to build a wall and throw all you guys at him." I, yeah, I was asking that that question. That I kept asking, like, who's building the wall? Yeah, like which guys? Which guys? It's I mean, the climb over, not no wall. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like you're not. I mean, Toronto was building it with Kawhi Leonard and Marcus All. Those are like, you know. Probably going to be that might, if we look back, going to be all time defenders. Right. Then you had uh, Miami, who was doing Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Like, those were the wall defenders for Miami. So it's not like they were just throwing anybody out there and saying, hey, we're going to wall off Giannis with, like, just, you know, with uh, backups or, like, average Joes. They were walling them off with the premier of the premier. And it was still taxing on those guys to do so. So you think DeAndre Jordan's about to wall off Giannis with Kevin Durant? I mean, you're in for a long night if you think that's going to be successful. But uh, you know, but Brooklyn has a potent offense. Um, Coach Bud isn't known for adjusting very well. <laughs> oh, um, ben Simmons. Not, neither is Doc really. Yeah, <laughs> neither is Doc really. And Ben Simmons is allergic to scoring this year. And then, like you said, with Indiana, I mean, I like Indiana as a team. But like they lack the superstar presence to that would be needed to beat beat. I mean, they would really just have to play a perfect series to win that, because they would push them for sure. But to like actually win it would take a perfect series, which I think they're capable of coaching wise. But I mean, that's just too much to ask for a team without a clear superstar. Yeah, you would need you would need the minus to have like a couple thirty fifteen games like really yeah that guy yeah. Right, that would, so and then Brogdon would have to close like two or two or three games in that series. You know what I mean? So it's just a lot to ask in the end, but they do match up well. Uh, Philly matches up well, and Milwaukee matches well. So uh, Brooklyn's gonna get tested, and, and we're not even gonna get into the finals matchup. I, I'm not even trying to talk about the. Finals. I don't know why people are keep. So they got they got to get there first. <laughs> yeah, they gotta get there first, and then look, man, talk to me about Brooklyn and Lakers after a Brooklyn offseason, man, because. 
the that's draft. what I said. Yeah, I think I think we're there. When they get off season to retool right. and and uh and put the right type of players around those guys, then I think Man. they'll be okay. My yeah, thing is, I, I I think they gotta even yeah. explore cheap trades like. Uh, right. I know Sacramento's going to be looking to sell Hassan's right side. Right. Cleveland is shopping JaVale. Like, you just need another big body who can just kind of get in the way for you. Who's right. going, to, it's going to be so much penetration given up. You need an elite rim protector or somebody who can uh, just deter people at the rim. So we'll see what type of, you know, trade and buyout options there are as the deadline approaches. It's just nasty for him because man, you're not about you're not. I'm telling you, you're not about to beat no LeBron James and Anthony Davis with no makeshift centers, bro. You're, exactly, right. you're not exactly. doing that. LeBron always matches KD in scoring. Like I don't know why. Like that was one of the arguments we were having earlier. I don't know why people act like KD because he shoots better. I, yeah, I would say KD scoring because he shoots better. But like, look at the numbers. They score evenly every time. Like that's gonna be a wash scoring. And then who's going to match AD? Because AD is going to have no matchup at all. Like At least for Kyrie, for Harden, you can see Schroeder's been a pest on Harden. You know, he's a pest on Harden. He's going to be a pest on Kyrie. You have Caruso. You have KCP that's going to chase Joe Harris and everybody off screens. You have Wes Matthews that you can just you can throw on. So the Lakers just have so many defenders, especially at the guard spot, to throw at, their, at Kyrie and Harden. But who do they have to, like, throw at LeBron? Like, I'm not saying AD is going to stop KD. AD, but AD can simply get into KD and make him work. Um, KD scores on LeBron, but if LeBron is locked in, he's going to obviously compete with KD and at least make him work on both ends. So it's like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, they have no one who can stop the Lakers' best player. Right. Right. People who can guard and match up with the Nets. So it's like just weird when people see, like, oh, KD about to play AD off the foot or some nonsense like that. I'm like, bro, <laughs> no, they will get stops. I mean, KD will get his numbers, but it's not like he's about to – D50, 50, 50, 90 on the Lakers. No, that's not going to happen. But I'm pretty sure AD damn near can go 60, you know, 40, 90 <laughs> on the interior of the Nets. That's a problem you need to be worried about. So we we just going to, you know, copy and paste that in those last three minutes on the, on the NBA Finals segment we do yeah. months from now if they match up. <laughs> he just Honestly. Gave us the <laughs> Honestly, I mean, unless something drastic happens, unless they get like, you know, unless they get Andre, unless the Nets get Andre Drummond from the buyout market, the money, man, the right? money wouldn't match. And they're not, they're <laughs> yeah. not buying him out at twenty. They're not buying him out, yeah. But you, but you see my point. Like unless they get somebody like that on the interior, I'm not, right. I'm not worried, man. I'm not worried about that. Talk to me next year with the Nets. Yeah, I think man, it's gonna be interesting to see, man. It's gonna be interesting to see. So moving on to other other parts of the league here, uh, Trey Young is uh, really having a rough go of it early in his second year. They actually started out decent enough. Yeah, but the Hawks have hit a rough patch. Of one lost seven of their last ten games after winning the first few uh, for the season. Trey is thirty nine percent shooting, twenty eight percent from three. Uh, metrics and eye test, the defense is really bad, nearly bottom of the league. So he's not even, you know, he's pretty much playing below replacement player level at yeah, this point in time. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I know there's a big thing, the whole Trey Luka, they're going to be compared throughout their whole careers because of the way the Trey went down. But just sticking with Trey here for now, what do you think his the source of his struggles are and what does he need to do better to turn the ship around? Uh, it's funny enough, what I think the issue kind of that's making Luka more inconsistent this year um, they just need to, they need to change their play styles. <laughs> it's, it's, plain, it's plain and simple. They both got to change their play styles. Like, 
Like Luca's usage rate is nastily high, and Trey Young is right right behind them. So it's like, you know, they take shots they should not be taking. Like it's just like I saw the shot he tried to take at the end of the game. Man, that was so ter- I couldn't believe like thirty two feet, thirty two feet with like eighteen seconds left on the clock. Like what? It was twenty something seconds yeah. left. And he took that shot. I couldn't believe he took that shot. It's like, bro, you did this after what Steve Nash said. That's not basketball. You did this after your own teammate told you you need to stop doing this. So you're literally just not like you're literally proving to other people around the league and to your own teammates that, yeah, you're a problem. And you're acting too stubborn to fix that. That's just not a good look for Trey right now because you're a point guard. You're not supposed to be right. doing that type of stuff. Right. My, my, for me, it was – I think about the timing of where it really fell off. It was uh, – I didn't know that Steve Nash was Trey's idol or one of his yeah. idols growing up. So it, it, the, the coincidental timing when Steve Nash is like telling the ref in front of him, that's not basketball, and then – I think a day or two later, that whole leak, which to me, that type of stuff leaking from a locker room is nuts. That mm-hmm. John Collins pretty much says he's a, he has a ball too much. He's a ball hog. And I think maybe he's thinking too much or he fell off a cliff. But my thing with Trey is always this. I think he's too elite offensively to start. He's not going to shoot 39% from the field and 28% from the all season. He's too talented, too talented, too skilled with the ball, obviously. Uh, my thing with Trey is always going to be his defense. He has to start trying on that end. Like people, where I see people like the uh, Caius, uh, Day Dufour, and they clip certain plays, and I'm like, this dude is not even trying. And I watch Hawks games, mm-hmm. and it's like he's not even trying on defense. And my thing, you don't have to be Gary Payton, like or Chris Paul defensively, but you have to try. Your teammates see that when they yeah, see you're not trying on defense, and then you're playing like that on offense, where you have the ball all the time, it sucks the whole team down. Yeah, and I think that is the source of you know the kind of the problem of why the Hawks can't win lately, because that team is talented. Like as far as like Super wings, talented. wings, wings are one of the most important positions in the NBA. They are loaded at the wing spot. They got I, two, two young I, wings, and they got Gallinari, Huerta, uh, Kevin Huerta, mm-hmm. and uh, Bog. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, they, they're loaded at a premium spot. A whole bunch of switchable guys. They just Every every possession is one pass and a shot from them, and then you see Collins, Capella get frustrated. They don't get the ball except if it's a rebound. It's just it's a lot going on. A lot of people have you know blame the coach. I'm like, man, Trey is going to be him, pay himself, whoever the coach is. He's going to spam pick and rolls, shoot thirty footers. That's going to be his game. So I think he has to change more than the coach does. Yeah, I, yeah, the Hawks have great wings. I mean, I think I was tweeting about, if, you know, if my Wolves are to trade Cat, that's the team I would want to trade with because they have a bunch of great young players out, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, Hunter and with uh, Cam Reddish and between Carl and, you know, having two of those 30-plus picks and, you know, that's a that's – a, I mean, they have a lot of good potential on the Hawks. But, Trey, like I said, Trey Young has to – he has to want to do that. I think when that Collins thing came out, wasn't the response of Trey Young like, nah, I don't have, I don't need to, like, I, like <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't see the response. I, I think I, I, I think I saw somebody like tweet how sources say that Trey Young like feels like he doesn't need to change his play style. So that's not a shocker that he didn't because that's why I read that he felt like nah, like, he can make it work, and I think that's why he's struggling as well. I think he's trying too hard to show that his play style works, and it's backfiring on him miserably. Um, 
and he doesn't have the self-awareness for whatever reason to play different. Um, that's the one thing I'll give, I think, to Luca, um, and that's what, and that's part of the edge that Luca has on Trey, not just from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. Luca had 30 in the first half, and he had a terrible second half. And, you know, people kill me when I say he needs to change his play style, but he just said in the second half, he said, I was selfish. He was too selfish, yeah. That, that was big of him. That was big of him. That was big of him. And so he wants to be great. So he's aware that he needs to change certain things. That's the mentality Trey Young doesn't have. And when you're trying to play winning basketball, because it's one thing to get numbers, but when you're trying to play winning basketball and get numbers, that's where these guys struggle. And, you know, you know, Lucas trying to figure out how to play winning basketball and get numbers. So he's going through that, and he's understanding mentally, okay, I got to do certain things differently because for me to win and to, and to, and to play good – it's completely different than me playing good and we still lose. Right. And that's two different things. So Luca's taking a good approach to solving that, but Trey Young is not. Like he still thinks he can just put numbers up and they're gonna win games and not try on defense and it's okay. Like, no, it's not okay. Like playing winning basketball, when you have expectations like the Hawks have, it's it's a lot different. That's why you see these struggles a lot different mentally when people expect right. you to be good and they expect you to win on top of being good. And he's crumbling so far. I mean, I want him to get it together, but just mentally speaking, man, he's not taking this. He's not taking the approach very well at all right now. Yeah, and, and this is not just this. This is not just a, a trade thing. You think about guys like that. I'm thinking about young players like that who you know have to adjust their style of play to be successful in the NBA. Just from a team standpoint. Yeah. Think about players like that. When in their life would they have been told you need to change? Think about it. Right, he's been a elite player since probably he's been eleven, <laughs> and any coach that tells me to change, I'm just gonna play with another coach. You gonna let me do what I want, right? It's just like right. just an old AAU mentality. So, I think what you're saying is correct. I just think the path there is a lot more difficult than we give it credit for because these guys have stuff have the way they play is ingrained in their mind. I got to the league playing this way, right? So, they think it's okay. It takes a like a cognitive dissonance to a sort of a point like this has to, like I have to hit rock bottom and fail with this and see what I'm doing wrong. It has to shake me before I assess, I, I look inwardly and say, what am I doing wrong? To I, I, I agree with that. And I think, and I think the ways that certain guys avoid that is like you said, like does that AAU style. Okay. If I shoot this way, like, you know, in Oklahoma trade was just doing whatever you want to do. Right. And he got into the league. But like when you play, professional ball like Luca played, like LaMelo played, nah, they're yeah. going to hold you accountable for trying to play winning basketball. So that's why for Luca, for LaMelo, they, like LaMelo's been on the bench, right? His dad hasn't said anything. He hasn't said anything because he's played professional ball. He mm-hmm. understands the politics of pro sports. He understands that, okay, this is part of the growing pains. This is part of the lessons, you know. I need to do these certain things. I need to show it to these grown men that I'm reliable. I'm a good professional, and and, I, and I'm going to impact the you know the game. And however how many minutes I'm going to play, that's what Melo's mindset. You know, Lucas' mindset is like I've been in the professional league. I played in the professional leagues before. I've competed at the highest level in the professional league before. I understand that you know can't just be throwing up all these shots all the time. You got to be able to get your teammates involved, get good rhythm to make yourself more unpredictable, better down the stretch. These guys, they know that because they've gotten that coaching. So it's okay for them to admit, okay, I need to improve here because they've already been through the professional. 
coaching. And that's why I knew LaMelo would be so much better coming from that professional environment because if LaMelo went to college, he would be just like training. If LaMelo wow. went to college, he would be just like that because he would have no accountability. But I was thankful when they sent LaMelo to a pro league because I knew they would clean up all that type of mentality because they were going to hold him accountable and show him how to be professional. And that's, I, that's what Trey Young is missing right now. He just doesn't know how to be a professional right now. He still thinks he can just do whatever he wants and work. But, I mean, this is the NBA, man. Like, you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know how, like, Zion looks differently because he's playing with world-class athletes too? That's, like, how Trey looks right now. Like, you're playing with world-class poopers, bro. So, you're not gonna, you know, you're not the baddest dude on the court every night anymore. Right, you know? right, absolutely. Like, you have to play differently. You have to have some type of structure to get yourself going to get easy shots for you and your team and to win. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. That's good, man. I'm like the kind. I'm liking the. I'm liking how that conversation kind of went there because I think just the the mental aspect of an athlete changing what has been successful for him his whole life in the NBA. I think that's a, that's kind of an under underspoken point. So, yeah. moving on, the Lakers have started to you know turn it on as of late even more. Mm-hmm. They, they were coasting and winning. Now they have start to flex their muscles and become the dominant team that everyone saw that they thought would be. And it looks like LeBron uh, is going to, once again, be at the in the mix for MVP. And then Anthony Davis, after a slow start defensively, it's been since he's made that we stink on defense comment. Yeah. He has been by far the best defensive player in, in the NBA since that yeah. point. Uh, defending the rim, I think, most important, the most impressive thing I saw was when the Pelicans were in the game that third quarter, he went from stifling Zion at the rim repeatedly. And then when Ingram was torching everybody, he goes on the wing against Brandon Ingram and shuts his water off the second half of the third quarter. And I'm looking at that. I was like, this guy is an alien. Yeah, he is, man. He's special. um, my point is, what what are your thoughts on just where LeBron and AD are right now? Which to me is just on another level. The game is, for me, LeBron. I just tweeted this: the game is moving so slow for him right now. Year eighteen, yeah. he's seeing stuff two, three, four seconds before it happens. His passes hit guys right in the shooting pockets. He knows exactly when to cut. It's just it's amazing to see how he just has to has to, he's a orchestra director right now. He's a conductor. Yeah. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on those two right now? Well, for AD, I mean, he's turned it up. And, uh, you know, what people – like, you know, like Dwight – well, you know, Dwight was a good AD mentor defensively last year. Uh, I think Dwight taught AD how to, you know, um, impose his will defensively from a rim protector standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think Dwight uh, mentored him. I know there was an article on that and how Dwight was imposing his defensive knowledge onto AD. I think he took that last year. But I think what people aren't understanding this, I think Mark Gasol is also imposing some of that to AD. Because if you go back and you look in the third quarter, if you look at some of the ways he contested Zion, he did the Mark Gasol, you know, verticality where you don't jump, you stay in your position, you lose all your length, and you still get rim protection, not having to exert so much energy having to jump, just being in the right position and using your length. I mean, you saw he stifled Zion, not even jumping. Like, he wasn't even trying to jump to block all his shots. He was in his position, stayed vertical, and Zion was just having a hard time finishing over the tree. That was Anthony Davis. So that's something he definitely took from Marcus Hall because that's a Marcus Hall special, gets blocks without jumping. 
because just off position and IQ. So Marcus rubbing off on AD in terms of being a rim protector, which has been great. And Marcus has just been a great pickup both sides. And then AD still showing his freak of nature perimeter ability. Man, I can't wait to see AD on KD, man. That's something. That's a matchup I've been trying to see for like, you know, I've been trying to see that one since AD came to LA because like he's gotten better. AD has gotten better perimeter defensively Absolutely. from the perimeter since he got to Los Angeles. So I'm trying to see AD and KD because there's anybody, if there's anyone who could possibly make KD be miserable, it has to be Anthony Davis because he's the only one in the league with the combination of speed, footwork, and size that can actually make KD have problems. So yeah, see the, what I've seen for the, the best defenders I've seen on this little off track before you before you get go to ahead, the, go ahead. the best I've seen on KD was that year when um, Westbrook got hurt and the Grizzlies beat Tony Allen. Yeah. Tony Allen did a great job because that was Ooh. that's before that's before KD was being really able to deal with physical physical defense. Yeah. He got better with that like as the years went on. And then that last three games when the Warriors came back from three <laughs> one, Iggy was man. special guarding that man. Like the amount, like KD has long arms. The amount of strip, like chicken strips that Iggy was able to get, like just on the way up, and everything mm-hmm. is like clean. Like that is that was special to me. But I agree, AD has a potential to be as far as like bothering his shot and staying into him. That's that's going to be fun to watch when when it does happen. I can't wait to see it. Right, because with I mean with KD now, like you say he's physical, so just taking away his space like CP3 and Tia Pony Allen used to do, and just getting physical underneath his base. That's not going to really work on KD because he's a lot stronger now. I mean, PJ Tucker was kind of pushing him off in 2018, but KD still found a way as the series went on to overcome PJ Tucker in the, in the one-on-one. So, like KD has definitely got big, better at being strong on his base and still getting his shot off. So, I think for KD now, you have to be athletic enough to, you know, to to stick with him and just be stay at his hip at all times, be quick and then be long enough to always bother his shot. If you're not, if you're too small, if you're not fast enough, you're just getting cooked. So. I think AD is the best prototype to do that right now, so I'm really looking forward to that. Now, on to LeBron for the Lakers. I mean, it's not much to be said. I, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of I found it hard to believe, you know, a few years ago when people were saying, nah, uh, LeBron's kind of – I think he's better than what he was in Miami. I was like, nah, no way. You know, that was peak LeBron. He was special on both ends. And when I look back, I was like, you know what? Yeah, LeBron in Miami was better defensively for sure because he was younger. Right? He could deserve more energy, but – Offensively, yeah, this LeBron is better. Like he he can like Le- this LeBron can hit mid range. He can hit threes consistently. The he's a superior, is scary right now. He's, he's a superior playmaker. His IQ is better. He makes better reads. Like he's confident because he doesn't have to. He has doesn't have the mental roadblocks like he had in Miami. Like this LeBron offensively is is better. He has he doesn't have the athleticism, but he got better, which is funny considering what everyone said in Miami that they said as LeBron age he'd get worse. That was the common you know, common talking point uh, as espoused by, you know, Urkel, the famous tweet, he's 30, he's not continue any longer. No, it got worse. <laughs> it got a lot worse as it got on because LeBron somehow, some way took his and, – and, and I think that speaks to LeBron and why he's in the MVP race right now. LeBron loves the game of basketball. Yeah. I think people don't understand that, and I think people don't appreciate enough that a guy – of this caliber, of this talent, still loves the game and still stays true to the game of trying to get better every single year. Even as he's on his way out, he's still trying to get better every year. He's still trying to give his all. 
to be the, the best hooper he can be, that's just special. I mean, that just shows you why. That's like the type of mentality it takes to be the greatest, though. Like, I mean, people don't yep. understand that's yep. the mentality you need to be the greatest. You have to love it every year. You have to want to get better every year. You can't be stubborn. You got to be humble. You got to be able to say, you know, I'm not good at this. Let me get better at it. Let me work on it. You know, LeBron came in. He didn't have a three-point shot that was consistent. He got one. He didn't have a post game that was consistent. He got one. He didn't have a mid-range that was reliable or honest enough to keep the defense off him. He got one. Mm-hmm. You don't get that over your career without working. Like, you have to put the work in to get that type of improvement. And too many people get caught up with the narratives. I just tell people, man, just cut the narratives out and just look at <laughs> perspective, man. Just cut the narrative out and just look at it from an on-the-court perspective. Like, this is special. This is special. You should appreciate what you're watching, man. Yeah, he's in, he's in uncharted territory right now as far as longevity for an athlete. Yep. I mean, except for Tom Brady, like is him and Brady, yep. is this athletes period being that effective this late in their career? Absolutely. And even Brady's showing like severe fall off. He's more of a game manager now. Right. Ron is like running the show still at age eight, at year eighteen. It's crazy to to watch, and it's, it's actually fun to watch too, man. To me, like those great players, that version of them that always seems to be the favorite for me is watching them get more cerebral with it as father time starts to take away some of their physical abilities. I remember my, my yeah. favorite version of Michael Jordan was 1998. You know what I'm saying? Right. No pip. I, I'm, I'm not the freak athlete I used to be, but I got footwork, post-game. Yeah, in the post-game. I'm still going to get it done. My favorite version of Kobe, the 24 days. I'm not, you know, triple reverse windmill and no cats. I'm not, you know, spin move dunking. Counters for days. That's exactly. Bro. Footwork, <laughs> counters, fade away, post game. I'm still going to be get, be a championship. And LeBron <clears throat> here, not the same super freak athlete I was. Still a great athlete, but not the yeah. not the all timer one percenter that I used to be. But I have great footwork. I've developed post game. My jump shot is the best it's ever been. Statistic like that's the numbers wise best it's ever been. I'm still probably along Magic Johnson, the greatest passer in NBA history. So that will never leave him until right. he retires probably. So it's just fun seeing him as father time takes a little bit of the physical away from him. The mental still keep him at the top of the league. It really, I mean, it really is great. I mean, if you look at, like, if you really, like, just looking at his career, I mean, look at how he plays now. It's just so offensively complete. Like, back in the day, like, I'm t- like LeBron was really, like, must-see TV athletically. Right, I mean, right. He was head at the rim almost every time he jumped in the air. It was crazy how much more athletic he was than world-class athletes like he was doing what we thought Zion would do Zion would do when he you know when he came to the like LeBron was just out the real I don't think I've ever seen that in the modern day I don't think I've ever seen an athlete that explosive yeah from on full court and for him to go from that to now he's just cerebral pick my spots get to where I want to go you can't stop me from getting what I want you can't stop me from getting my teammates look to go from that to there to here, like that's like a whole that's like a whole career, like like you you change your whole arc of your career and you still elite, like yep. that's that's not easy to do in anybody's craft to to change your whole play style and to still be elite while doing that, like and if like he has the perfect narrative to win the MVP, and he's taking it seriously in terms of, like, trying to be as good as he can be. So as long as the Lakers keep winning, as long as he keeps hooping and staying honest to the game, I don't see how he could lose the MVP unless the Sixers go off on a crazy run and 
or unless, you know, KD keeps hooping like he's hooping, the Nets finish with the best record. Like, it's really bronze to lose at this point. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, what you say that, uh, that, that tells what that 555 five, five is. Man, that 555, five, five, <laughs> I, I tweeted these people, man, 555, five, five, five MVPs, five finals MVPs, five rings, you know. Look, man, LeBron still understands that <laughs> it's still a narrative-driven thing, man. You got to get as much as you can get when you can get him. He understands that he has a golden opportunity to win an MVP this year. He has a golden opportunity to go back-to-back this year and probably has a golden opportunity to get the finals MVP this year based on how his team is constructed and how they have to play. So he's going to maximize that opportunity, fellas. For all you 35E guys out there, you got Harden, got Kyrie, no excuses. If your boy defends at an elite level, you can beat the Lakers. But he has to do it, though, because they're not going to hand it to you. Like you, just because you got tired, don't mean teams gonna hand it to you. So you, right. you better defend. You better get some stops because you don't need it. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Right, bad, bad. Just amazing with those two. I just wanted to touch on that. Now we gotta do it. It seems like man, every year, every year. we get this. Paul George is doing it again. <laughs> this time, I gotta say, it's a, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little different. A little different. It's, it's a little different, different though. <laughs> Obviously, if he sustains this, I'll say give him the MVP. If you shoot 50-50-90 right. on, his, on his volume with the type of shots he takes, right. give him the MVP. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even complain. Right. But he is at 25-6-5 on 50-50-90 shooting. It's a season that's never been done. It's crazy. To me, what the impressive part is the type of shots he's taking and hitting. Like these aren't just right. wide open shots. He's creating off the dribble, a lot of sidestep, uh, step back threes, uh, going to the cup, finishing in contact. A lot of it is not super open. He's also playing more point guard with uh, Ty Lue, giving him and Kawhi the play initiation responsibilities out of more triangle sets they're running this year and uh, with the Clippers. Just. Like we gotta, we gotta ask Kings: Are we, are we buying, are we buying or selling? And we have to say, like every year, like I tell people every year, talk to me in May, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> talk to me in May, man. Like I'll give you this, I'll give you this, man. PG, he looks athletically, he looks athletically back. He looks mentally back, locked in, performing at a high level. Like you said, he's hitting all types of crazy contested shots. I mean, people were talking about he cooked. Wesley Matthews in the Lakers game, but Wesley Matthews on his hip, bro. He was, was eight, you know he, he was on his he was on his hip. He was contesting every shot on his hip. I was like, what do you want him to do? The dude's just hitting every shot. Like you can't he, he's not gonna just he's not gonna just block the shot. I mean pay your PG gonna hit the shot. You just gotta tip your cap to the dude. It's not like you getting beat off the off the spot. He's getting wide open list. Like you on his hip contesting, he's still hitting. Like there's nothing you can do about that if a guy's doing that. So if he's gonna do that all year. And you're going to shoot 50, 50, 90. Like you said, they give him the MVP. <laughs> so be it, man, because he he did it. If he goes in May and they go on the finals round because he shot 50, 50, 90 all year, hey, you just tip your cat and say, Paul George, you proved this wrong. But like I said, talk to me in May, man. You know what's crazy? If it was yeah. any other player, any other player. I would be worried. Like, we, cats would be like, yo, this is scary. Yeah, like, I would be worried. Here, the playoff, you know, the, the playoff bungles didn't last year. It's just, it's like Giannis. It's really yeah. like Giannis because Giannis still is great, and it's like nobody cares. Yeah, it's, it's well, Paul George is just 
I think what, what gets most people the wrong way is you look at his game, he should be a top five player. He should. He has no weakness. He's six eight. He's elite defensively. Mm-hmm. No weakness <clears throat> offensively. But, but maybe the weakness offensively is he's not he's not the greatest finisher through contact or hasn't been or before facil- this year. Or facilitator. You know, yeah, right. But just there's nothing you can say like make him do this on offense and we can shut him down. Like there's no weakness. So I think it frustrates people who love basketball. Like why isn't he? Why is he leaning closer to top five than he is top twenty five? Right? right. So I think that's what throws people off. But if this was any other player, people would be like, "Yo, this is crazy." But it's crazy that a guy is shooting fifty, fifty, ninety on super high volume, is. and it's like not even registering in the NBA world's ticker right now. Like that's how crazy. Paul George's playoff bungles have been. People were just like, mm, nah, got to see it in May, brother. Yeah, I mean, but that's what it comes down when it comes to the great ones, right? When it comes to the true, great that's ones, true. That's it true. just comes to a point where it's like, bro, look, you got to win because at the end of the day, you, you it's, it's about playing winning basketball, mm. right? Like, you know, Devin Booker's numbers aren't as good as what they were doing, but guess what? He's playing defense, doesn't – Cam numbers up, Bridges numbers are up, and the Suns are winning. Haynes numbers is down, Booker's numbers is down, but the defense is up, the other players' numbers is up, and they're winning. Winning basketball is better than just putting up stats and losing, bro. Like, like if you want to make an impact, you got to play winning basketball. So, you know, Paul George, it's about playing winning basketball when it counts, man. That's what it is for him. That's what it is for Giannis. She's got, you got to put it. When it matters, you gotta play winning basketball. Yeah, I, I think those those three names, those two names you mentioned, and you gonna add in James Harden is like they can do very little to impress in the yep. regular season anymore. Like they've established, they are those dudes in the regular season. Yep. Step with them is okay. Can you can you put that into the playoff situation in a series and get your team a ring or to the or to the finals? I think those three guys. It's just we have established their special players. They're going to be Hall of Famers with their well, – maybe Paul George got a little bit of ways to go, but Giannis and Harden are for sure going to right. be Hall of Famers. But there's not making there's just very little they can do. And that's not to knock down. Like I'm not going to speak on like cause you have to score. You have to you have to make the plays in the regular season to make them. But they're so good and talented that what they do in the regular season just doesn't register because they're expected to be so much better in the playoffs. If that that makes sense. Right, yeah, their playoff their playoff failures are hanging hanging over their head. Right, and uh, Harden's trying to erase that. That's why he went to Brooklyn. He's seen the template: get go to a great team, go win a ring, and I, and I can do whatever I want after Ex- that. So exercise those demons, baby. Get that monkey off your back. He's following the template. He's that's that's why he turned his down to fifty million. He said, "Man, I got enough money. I want the ring. Let me get this out the way." He understands. He's seen the template. He understands it. Uh, so he's ready to to go play winning basketball. I mean, he was moving off the ball more in three minutes than I seen, you know, the whole last season for the Nets. So he's ready to go play winning basketball. And you know, winning basketball is a good thing, man. Like playing winning basketball, sacrificing your numbers, man. I I'm really proud of what I'm seeing from Booker and Aiden, man. Those are that's good. Those are good traits to have. And I think, you know, and, and this is one of the segments we wanted to discuss. And I think we might as well touch on it a little bit, like. You know, players in losing situations, man, like putting up stats in losing situations, you know, playing winning basketball. I mean, it's just too, it's just different. Like, you know, we talk yeah. about Zach Williams, talk about the uh, Bradley Bills and how gaudy their numbers are. We know they're talented players, but, like, it, when you're in a losing situation, the numbers 
is going to come to you because you're going to get the ball. You're going to get so much opportunities. When you have to win, when you have to sacrifice so your team can be more potent, can be more deadly and be more efficient, have more impact, your numbers is not just going to, it's not going to be the same, but it's, it's better. It's better for you as a growth, as a player, as better for the team. And that's what KD learned when he went to Golden State. Like That's yeah. why he's more comfortable find taking a step back because he understands I can be efficient and still get numbers, but I'm going to win this way. And, and yeah, that's what's more important. I think the the best description I heard for it was um, they were asking Kobe to break down James Harden's season when he was averaging like yeah. 35 a game. And then he had, he had some guys hurt. And then Kobe was like, well, he's doing that because he's hats to, and it's incredible to watch, but right. they're not going to win playing that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the, the, the – a lot of those guys do that out of necessity. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, Bill looks miserable. When they when he has those 40, 50-point games yeah. and they lose, yeah. he looks miserable on the bench. Like when you they yeah. pan the camera to him, you see Zach Levine when he takes those L's and has that 37. Those guys look upset <laughs> at yeah. the end of the game. So I think you're right. You know, they would trade places with Devin Booker right now. To give me a guy like Chris Paul who's going to permeate the whole team and raise everybody's mm-hmm. game. And I'll take a step back with my numbers and, and win. You know, Bill's already been almost in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals on Game 7 to the Celtics almost. Uh, so he's tasted that. So yeah, I think so it's even worse for him. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's going to demand a trade anytime soon, but I don't know how the future in Washington looks. I know they're they're cap strapped, and it's not they got some young talent. I don't know if Bill wants to wait around for guys like Rui and and Thomas Bryant right. to to develop. So we'll see how how that goes as far as where what his future is. But we just wanted to touch on that. And again, before we get out of here. Follow myself, JJ Maples fifty five underscore MST on Twitter at King. At It's Kings, bruh. We appreciate you guys tapping in. Next week, we are trying to get 35 ventures on the pile. We, we, we want to have a breakdown of, of the first few, first few Nets games. So we're going to apply pressure to Biggs this week and try to get him on or with us and see what that's looking like. We need some 35D reps in the end of the man. All right, you guys, y'all be safe out there. Be kind to each other. And wear a mask, please. We are out of here. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.